just want to take a moment and just soak this in. I mean, I mean, think about the fact that in this room, there are thousands of people who are spending their Christmas break and spending their money trying to figure out how to give their life away. That's an amazing thing. And that's, that's, a, that's a huge, huge thought. I, I, I was back there just trying to remember where I was when I was 18, 19, when I was those early years of college, just trying to figure out, God, where, where are you sending me? What do you want me to do? And there was so much of me that was afraid of that question. There was so much of me that was afraid of the authority of Jesus Christ. When I, when I think back to my life right now, you know, I'm at this age where, where I'm almost 50 and I'm looking back and going, gosh, what would I do if I could relive my life? I've been asking myself that the last few weeks. What would I do differently if I could go back to where some of you were at? And there's so many things I'm uncertain about, but one thing I'm sure of is like I, I would have had a greater focus on getting to unreached people. Like somehow, I, if I could relive my life, I would devote so much more of it to getting this good news, this message to people who've never heard about Jesus Christ. I just see that throughout the gospel. And honestly, I, I feel like in some ways, I've spent far too much time speaking to people who've already heard the gospel thousands of times and just trying to be more creative and hit that same few million people over and over again and trying to get that message to them. And man, I'm praying, I'm praying for you, I'm praying because there's such a pull here to live a comfortable life, to make a name for yourself. And it's so easy to forget about all those people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus. In fact, a, a couple of weeks ago, I got so fired up about this and said, yeah, I can't go back but what am I going to do with the remainder of my life? And I told my team, I go, you know what? This next year, 2016, don't take any more speaking requests. I want to devote myself the rest of whatever time isn't booked up already. I have to use it to get the gospel to people who've never heard before. I don't want to just entertain Christians. And so when I think of thousands of you that already have this mindset, Urbana was around when I was in college, but I didn't want to go. I was scared. I don't know that I was ready to give up my life. Back then, we didn't really talk about this a whole lot. It was just about praying a prayer and, oh, you get to go to heaven now and we're done. And now just live your life. Try not to have sex until you're married, then... then, then try to have sex, you know, but, but until you're, you know, that, that's just all we talked about. Hey, try not to swear, try not to drink, you know, don't, don't get drunk, you know, keep yourself pure. But this whole idea of giving your life completely to God, surrendering to the authority of Jesus Christ, which is the very essence of the gospel, we didn't talk about it back then, at least not where I was. And so it thrills me to see you here. And it's exciting to see that some of you have, uh, come here hoping to just give your life up to God and say, God, anywhere, anything, God, you, how, how long you want me, you want me to live just another five years on this earth? That'd be great. You know, is, is that it? You want me to go somewhere and, and risk my life and it's just going to be over that? Anything, you're so worthy of that. I've been given this topic. You know what, can I, can I just pray? I feel like I really need to pray right now.
God, in this room are your children, so many of them, God, and I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything that will turn them in the wrong way. God, I want them to invest the short time they have on this earth for you, for your mission. I want on the forefront of their minds all the people who have not heard about your glorious Son, Jesus Christ, and everything He did on the cross, all of His sacrifice. God, somehow by your Spirit, Lord, would you stir this desire in us to make His name great among people who have never heard of Him. And I pray that you would kill the arrogance in this room, including mine, Help us to lose our lives, humble ourselves, and surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been given the topic, living under the authority of Jesus. Living under the authority of Jesus. Authority is such a beautiful, beautiful word. When's the last time you heard someone say that? Authority is such a beautiful thing, but, but the thing is, is, is so many people hate that word. They despise the thought of submission. But that's so like our world because that's what Isaiah said. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, you know, these people, they, they call what is good evil and they call what is evil good. It's like what Paul says in Philippians 2 where he says he wants us to shine as, as lights in this crooked and twisted generation. See, it's crooked. It twists things. It takes something like authority that is such a beautiful thing in God's eyes and this generation will twist it and say such, it's such an awful thing. You don't want to submit. You want to be in control. It's the same thing that Adam and Eve went through, Right? And what did Satan do? He just kind of twisted. You know, God doesn't really, he's not really going to do that. You don't really want to sit under him. You want to become like him. So eat of this fruit. I mean, think, when is the last time you heard someone say, I love being under authority. Man, I just love having people tell me what to do. That's the best. See, we twist everything. We live in a twisted and crooked generation that calls things that are good evil and it calls the evil things good. I remember when I became a Christian in high school and uh, I was excited about going to heaven and excited about knowing God. I just felt like the downside to Christianity was all these rules and all these commands. It's like, man, it's great that he died for me and I'm going to go to heaven now, but oh, but I have to follow this. See, I didn't get it. I didn't understand that the good news was that I get to be under his authority. And this is actually a good thing because it was twisted. I didn't understand it. Last year, we adopted a 16-year-old girl out of the foster system. Um, she, was a, she was a mess. Um, trouble with the police, you know, just, just running in and out of foster homes and out of group homes, running away constantly. And she came into our house 
welcomed her in, loved her like a daughter, and again, she started bucking against authority in her school, you know, and uh, started rebelling against teachers. And I sat her down and I said, listen, honey, I, I'm so proud of you. And I understand that your whole life, you've never come under authority. It's always been about whatever you want. And, and I also understand that a lot of your authority hasn't been good authority. So it's kind of messed up your view of authority. But I said, I know that you love being under my protection. I know you love being under my provision. But if you're going to live in this house, you're also going to be under my authority. But here's the thing. It's my goal. It's my goal that by the time you turn 18, that I'll be such a great and loving father to you. And I'll be such a good authority that you're actually, when you leave here, you're actually grateful that you are under my authority. Because authority can be a great thing. I, told her, I love being under the authority of God now. I used to not get it. But now I realize, gosh, like the psalmist says, his commands are so, so good and so full of life, and they lead to life. I want to be that type of authority in your life so that if you leave the house at 18, you'll say, okay, I love authority. I've seen good authority. It's a good thing. Adam and Eve should have stayed under the authority of God. That period of the judges when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, what, what a horrible time that was. But the good news is we have a king and we get to be a part of his kingdom and we not only get his protection and his provision, but we get his authority. And he makes rules and commands and leads us for our own good. Dr. Fung this morning spoke out of uh, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 is all about the authority of Jesus. Remember, that's when they were in the boat and there's the waves and, and everyone's terrified and Jesus goes, stop. And he just, it, it calms everything. And, and the people are terrified because they go, wait, even the wind and the waves obey him? They're under his submission? They're under his authority? What kind of person is that? And then they come across the demon-possessed people, right? And these people are terrified by these demon-possessed people. But what does Jesus do? He speaks to the demons. And again, now the demons are afraid and they come under his authority. They're terrified of him. And then in chapter 9, it starts off with this man who's paralyzed. These people bring this paralyzed man to Jesus, and, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And the people freak out about that. He says, wait, wait a second, what's easier to do? To say your sins are forgiven or, or, or pick up your mat and walk? And he tells that man, stand up, walk. And it says in, in verse 8, it says, when the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. So he's got power over the wind, power over the seas, power over the demons, power over sickness. 
And the people are scared, going, man, what kind of person is this? The demons obey him, the wind, the, the seas obey him. People that are paralyzed, man, they can just stand up and walk. Man, he's got this power, he's got this authority. So then in the next verse, in verse 9, it says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Have you ever looked at that verse in context before? That, that Jesus goes up to this man and says, follow me. But what's it in the context of here in Matthew? Here's Jesus. He calmed the seas. He cast out the demons. He heals a paralyzed man. Then he looks at this guy and says, follow me. What do you think was going through Matthew's mind at that time? As he's heard stories of this guy. And then it's, it, it's not, you know, sometimes I, I think I looked at this and thought, oh man, he had to leave his life. He had to go away from all of these things and the life that he knew and he had to follow him. But no, think about it. If you knew a man, heard of a man who could command the waves to stop. Maybe you even saw the boat and you said, man, that thing's done. And he just says, stop and everything calms. And he says, follow me. Is that a have-to moment? I don't think so. It's like, he just asked me to follow. I can follow him. The guy that just cast out those demons from those guys and now the demons are terrified of him and I can be one of his. He just raised a paralyzed man and now he's telling me I get to follow him. See, that was good news. You can follow me. You can follow me. And he's just thinking, him? I'm going to follow the guy that's in charge of all weather. I'm going to follow the guy. That, that, because what do you have to be afraid of at that point? If every force of evil is under this guy's power, everyone's like, what kind of person is this? I don't have to fear earthquakes. I don't have to fear any type of storm. I don't have to fear demons. I don't have to fear sickness. I don't have to fear people. He created them all, and now he's saying, you can follow me. And so what does Matthew do? He rose and followed him. He was sitting at his tax collector's booth. He stood up and just started walking. See, the thing that we have to understand about this is so many of us, we've made this book so figurative and obscure rather than concrete. When Jesus told Matthew, follow me, Matthew knew exactly what he was supposed to do. Get up and start moving and follow him wherever he went. Matthew didn't sit there and say, okay, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to follow you in my heart. I'm just going to sit here, but my heart's with you, Jesus. Do you understand? This is what following Jesus is about. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. It, it means you get up from wherever you are. And I understand it may be a scary thing to some of you, but it's, it's you coming here and say, Jesus, do you want me to go home? 
Like, where do you want me to go? I'll follow you. Where's your spirit leading me from here? I'll go. Is there a group of people who've never been reached? I'll go because it's better to be under your authority than me having control. And just creating my own life. That's my prayer for you is that you understand this dream that we create in our minds. This American dream of having this nice, cute little family and good little career, nice, safe, comfortable lifestyle, man, it pales in comparison to following Jesus. Do you understand who we get to follow? See, after, after Matthew starts following Jesus, in chapter 10, he sends the disciples out on this mission. He gives them authority. And in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out and struck them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper. He just gives this list. Hey, go, go to these people. Take this, don't take this, do this, don't do that. And you know what they did? They went. There's no record of any of them saying, hey, how about those 11 go? I'll stick back and I'll, I'll get snacks ready for when they return. No, it, see, we've lost this understanding of simple obedience. And because we just study, 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 have another book. Of course, I'm all for studying this book. But sometimes we just talk it to death. And we talk about it so much, and we're so used to talking and discussing, discussing, that nothing becomes concrete anymore. Then we just sit around in circles and go, what does follow me really mean? I mean, really. I mean, in my heart, I feel like I'm a follower, you know? And we just talk, talk, and that's not the way they did things. you got to get this. Because people will make so many excuses for why they don't physically do anything. And they make no effort towards reaching people who've never heard of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 16, listen to what he says. He says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they'll deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it's not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes." A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they've called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? 
Jesus tells them, he tells his disciples, go. You, at first I said, follow me, follow me. Now I'm sending you out. But understand, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. They're going to tear you apart. Even people in your own household are going to tear you apart. But follow me. The one who endures to the end, he's going to be saved. It's going to be worth it. Just even this morning in my reading in, in, in Scripture, I don't want to divert too much, but I'm, I'm reading through Revelation and, and, and Revelation 13 and those who take the mark of the beast, you know, because it's all about, hey, if you don't take this mark, you're not going to be able to eat. You're not going to be able to buy or sell. You're going to starve, you know, and, and, and it's just that immediate pleasure of, oh, I just want to eat, I want to eat, I want to eat, I want to eat. Okay, give me the mark. I want this so bad, just give me the mark. And it's like, oh, you blew it. Because right after that comes Jesus sealing those who were his. Why did you wait? Why did you take that? You went and you grabbed that immediate rather than waiting for something so much better, so much greater. And Jesus is telling his disciples, look, you're going to get torn apart. Listen, this is not a rah-rah, you know, hey, missions is wonderful. Go out. You're going to have a revival. There, wherever you go, there will be revival. That's not what Jesus told his people. He says, look, I'm going to send you out. And they're going to tear you up. I mean, even your family is going to tear you up. That's why 1 Peter 4 says, arm yourselves with this mindset. Arm yourself. Jesus suffered in the flesh. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Where you leave here and you go, you know what? If I'm going to follow Jesus, I am going to suffer. There's just, there's just no two ways about it. Paul tells Timothy, anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And here Jesus is telling his disciples, follow me. Follow me. I'm worth it. I'm so good. Look at my power, look at everything, but let me tell you, when you go out there, they're going to tear you up. But if you endure till the end, if you persevere, see a lot of times at these gatherings we'll talk about Matthew 24, verse 14, where it says, This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come, right? It's got to get to all the nations and then the end will come. But do you see what happens right before that verse? What does he tell them? He says, they're going to deliver you up to tribulation. They're going to put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Many will fall away, betray one another, hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. We're not going to get to the nations if we're not willing to suffer. Okay? We, we can't be sent out by Christ if we're not willing to suffer. And as a pastor, I hear it all the time. The moment something gets difficult, all I hear is complaining. Like, it's not working. This didn't work right. Why didn't this happen? Why, you guys, man, expect difficulty. Listen, I know it's scary. I know it's scary. I remember being your agent. Gosh, do I really want to surrender my whole life? 
Man, in fact, gosh, not many years ago, I was a pastor. I mean, I've been a pastor for 10, 15 years at this point, and I'm preaching through Colossians 1, and I get to verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ, you, you know, by the will of God. And I just got stuck on that phrase, the will of God, the desire of God, like what God would want if he had total control of me. I just got stuck on that phrase and go, man, do I want to know the will of God? And I started asking some of my friends that week, I go, do you want to know the will of God? And I remember one of my friends, Chris, was so honest, he goes, no way. I go, exactly, thank you for being honest. You'd rather not know what his desire really is, right? So you can kind of live your own life and at the end go, oh, I didn't know you wanted me to do that. Right, he goes, honestly, you nailed it. I don't really want to know where God would send me right now if he had his will, his way with me. I'm not sure I want to be under the authority of God. And me, as a pastor, I realized, man, I'm scared of the will of God. I told my church, I'm going to leave. i got to go away for at least three months. I ended up going away for the whole summer because I said, I'm not fit to be your pastor if I'm scared of the will of God. I'm scared of his authority and I'm your leader. And it was during that summer that the Lord reminded me of who he was. And it got me to the point where I go, gosh, I don't want control. Because as scary as it would be for Matthew to just say, I'll pick up and go wherever you lead me, as scary as that is, it would have been scarier to let Jesus walk away. Could you imagine that? Where he's going, well, I don't know, I don't know. And Jesus just walked away, all right. And the rest of your life you're going, what was I thinking? He's the one that had authority over the wind and the waves. He's the one with power over demons and everything. He determines everything's eternal destiny. He's the creator. And yeah, it was scary to follow him because I didn't know where he was going to lead. But now it's terrifying to think that he walked away. And the Lord just reminded me of this loving father, this perfect father who wants to lead me and tells me it's going to be worth it the one who gave his life for me. And I was able to go back to the church and go, okay, let's do this. And honestly, even as I say these words, I don't know what 26 hold, 2016 holds for me. Even though I'm playing right over here, I'm praying, going, God, I just feel like I gotta surrender all over again. But I want to. I wanna be under your authority because I wanna be under your authority for all of eternity. Father, I just lift up these people in this room that you would open their eyes that they would imagine being in that boat with you watching you calm the seas and the security to be with Jesus. And you say, Lord, as we go and we make disciples 
You promise to be with us even to the end of the age. So, Father, make us men and women who want the presence of Christ so much that we'd gladly come under your authority. Kill all other dreams here and help us to see that following Jesus is better. You're better than anything this world has to provide. Please move, Holy Spirit, and raise up a new generation that's unafraid of your authority. In Jesus' name we pray.